0: Welcome to another edition of Trendy presented by Omaha, the show where we like to compete while exploring the best ways to wager for casual cappers. And my competition this week is off to a very solid start, jumping out to 8.7 to 3.8 for our guest this week, Brandon Funston. So, Brandon, it is your first time on Trendy. Were you following it a little more closer on Monday night now that you got some skin in the game?
1: Uh, I would say so, yeah. And I'm, you know, it's, it's as they say, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. So, you know, I'm I'm you know, I'm going to be i uh, I'm going to be hyper-focused here the rest of the week. No doubt about it.
0: Well, this just rotten luck for you to catch midweek soccer. When I get to gamble against Manchester United, like to quote f- our forefathers. My only regret is I have one, one bet to give or to put against Manchester United this week. I might even have to find a way to add them into fr- uh, the, uh, on Friday's edition for the weekend because they are carrying me, especially against Byron who shut them out one, zero.
1: Yeah. You know, I, like I said, I'm not a huge soccer guy, but you know, it was one, nothing that could have been a really close game or or a match, or it could have just been a blowout. (laughs) I have no idea. That's what happens in a one, nothing, one, nothing outcome in, in soccer. It, It could go either way. It could be tight or it could have been by Bayern just dominating the whole way through.
0: That's right. And it could have been worse. Bayern could have dominated the whole way through and they get hit by a flute counter and they lose one zero. So that is one is why it's one of my favorite sports to follow, if not my favorite, because the results don't always correlate, which makes it a little bit exciting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No doubt.
0: So Brandon, speaking of like uncorrelated results. Uh, fantasy football is something that you obviously are one of the foremost experts in. And for 75% of the teams, no matter how good they are at fantasy or how bad they are at fantasy, it sometimes doesn't matter. Sometimes the season just doesn't go your way. Sometimes you have bad injury luck. Sometimes, you know, you uh, you just get unlucky because you have 120 every week, but your opponent somehow always puts up 125. There's lots of ways for your seasons to end. And that's true for most fantasy players right now. So since I have you, And since only a few of us are still competing for titles, I wanted to give everybody else a little bit of a a preview on next season. So I want to talk to you about things that we might have seen in the league this year that will impact the way you start looking at next year. And obviously, you'll do your deep dive in June and July and August, getting ready for the real fantasy football season. But I think it's nice to capture things while they're still fresh things that are, might be in your brain right now that we can share with the public as they enter into the long off-season that comes before they dig into their summer prep. And so uh, I'll start with a question, and then if you have other things you want to throw out, that's great. Has the run of injuries at the quarterback position started to change the way you view the quarterback position in terms of fantasy draft capital. Because it's yes. historical thinking, Brandon. Historical thinking is you only start one quarterback unless it's a super flex league. And the difference between one and 12 is it's so great that you should invest a high draft pick uh, versus, you know, a running back and more recently a wide receiver. But – is now like the best ability, availability, and sturdiness has to go into a no factor. And when you're staring at the idea of it's the fantasy playoffs, and all of a sudden I might have to play Easton Stick in order to try to stay alive versus drafting Allen or Mahomes earlier in the draft. Is it going to change the way quarterbacks are approached in the league? In your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think you know the quarterback play has been lousy this year, and um, you know I I'd gone into this year saying, hey. I'm not I'm not normally a get a quarterback early kind of guy but um I kind of was this year. I thought the going in early on the quarterback meant like you could you know get one of the top 8 guys. It's now it feels like it's narrowed to like okay, you need Josh Allen, you need uh, you know, you need Jalen Hurts. Literally like we've seen Pat Mahomes just kind of vacillate between being good and being bad. Like the, the yeah. The premium quarterback position, what I thought was like, okay, there's like eight guys there. It's like three, it's like four, you know, it's like, and so what that's also done is I think it's made the wide receiver market very volatile as well. And something that I was getting away from that I used to be, you know, way back in my dinosaur days of fantasy was, Oh, you're always drafting. You're always drafting those running backs in the first round, you know, get your, get your volume stud running back, maybe even get, you know, the first two rounds. And I'm kind of back around to that because even at the running back position, there's a lot of shared backfields. The guys that are getting it done are the very few running backs left that are getting you 20 touches week in and week out. And I just think the premium suddenly come back around on those guys big time. So I don't think going into next year, I'm going to mess around. I'm just going to, Hey, is this guy, is this guy kind of getting the lion's share of the backfield touches? Give them to me. You know, a perfect example of that is Rashad white. He's not a great running back, but he dominates the touches. He's a top five fantasy running back. It's like, Find those guys, get them while they're, while they're there. And, you know, I I will see how much the quarterback play, you know, rebounds next year. There's going to be a lot of good quarterbacks coming into the league, but rookie quarterbacks are, are a gamble. And I just think that we're looking at a, you know, a couple of years, two, three years before we really start to see solidified depth of quality quarterback play across the league.
0: Yeah, it is interesting, Brandon, because you are a dinosaur with all due respect. I mean, you, as we said last time, you founded ESPN Fantasy back in the 90s. Um, like back then, before you started the trend and and Rick Wolf and some others started those trends of making these tools available to the public, really all you had was like some memories of box scores, maybe like, uh, you know, a, a, a reference guide, not like a fantasy guide, which is literally like, you know, some stats and then a depth chart. And like all these years later, we have a billion advanced statistics. We have all these premium products. Everybody's got access to all the information in the world. And are we back to all that really matters is a depth chart. Like if we come all the way back, it's just like how much of a share is this guy to get? And everybody's going to average somewhere between 3.8 and 4.2 yards a carry. So give me the guys with the most carries and then add in some catches out of the backfield.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the adage has always been the same. It's always been the same. Volume is King volume is, you know, getting the ball in your hands is job one that that has never changed but you know that's why I always look at statistics and I'm like who's who's you know it can be air yards it can be uh yards after contact like give me the list of the leaders you know if that list doesn't matter then I don't care about it you know (laughs) what matters really is going to be volume and you know somewhere there's a cross there's a crossing of a mediocre talent who gets 20 touches per game versus a great talent. What's the number he needs to, to best that guy who's getting 20, is it 11 touches? You know, there is that there's that, you have to weigh that going into draft day, but it's a lot easier to know that your guys getting 20 and, and feel good about your bottom line there.
0: Well, it's it's interesting to hear that you say you think you're going to target running back in the first round next year. Because that's a little bit of what I want to talk about. Like, I think the league has tightened up so much, and some of it is injuries and concussion protocols and things like that. But uh, just there seems to be more opportunity being spread to more players than when you know you and I were playing this in like the '90s and the 2000s. And so the clustering effect is so like tight right now. It's almost like where do you even? Put your most valuable draft capital because after you get after a couple of positions, the idea that you know the RB twelve versus the RB twenty four, it's not that many. That's not that big a difference in points. And so I looked up some numbers. I'll just throw them at you and let you react. I threw out the top guy at each position. Uh, because, like, McCaffrey's in the league of his own. Tyreek's in the league of his own this year. Uh, Josh Allen, you know, is a little closer to Hurts, but still he's got about 20 points of separation. Uh, Kelsey's only – like, Kelsey actually didn't separate this year, but just to be consistent, I threw out the number one guy in each in each uh, one. So if you go from quarterback, and assuming a 12-person league, going from QB 2 to QB 13, you move from uh, – in our league, in the league of leagues, which is fairly standard scoring, half-point PPR – Uh, It's 291 versus 217 at the quarterback position. So you get about a 70, you know, whatever that is, 74 point spread. Uh, Running back, though, it's 226 to 161 after you threw out McCaffrey. But more interesting to me, Brandon, if you go from uh, 13 to 24, so your RB2 tier, it's only 159 to 131. Like it's, there's almost no separation whatsoever in the RB2 kind of category. You're
1: probably probably seeing the. You know, th- that trickle down is a, a very slow trickle into the 30s. You know, yeah, with the running back position you get down to 131 with 24, you're probably not dropping that much over the next 10 running backs either.
0: And then, similar in wide receiver, once you fill out Hill, like from two to 13 is 235 to 167, and then, um, from whatever that is, 14 to, to 25, it's 166 to 138. And then tight end from one to or from two to 13 is 154 to 93. So like you start talking about like your, your round one and round two capital. And like that, when I looked at that and like, I've never been a draft a quarterback early type guy. Like, you know, this year I, in our league, like I sat around forever and then I took Dak Prescott and it came out aces for me. Um, but so it took a little while, but, it, but it, t- it took a little while. And Russell Wilson's is my handcuff. Wasn't doing me a whole lot of favors uh, early in the season. But like when I look at that, the biggest Delta at your, your main starting position is actually a quarterback. So like, is this starting to form an argument for Allen or Hertz at the very top of you know round two, or round three, maybe even back into round one, or is it still like okay? I gotta roll the dice on the quarterback in the wide re- or sorry the running back and wide receiver, and you will know, let Hurts and Allen go off the board. Hopefully, I'll get an advantage from the guys I take in the business. I could have taken them, and I'll still like my chances to win the league.
1: Yeah, I think it does. I think you could you can make that argument to put push them even you know into the back end of the first round. Um, you know they're getting touchdowns. On the ground, almost every week. In addition to what they're doing through the air, but what you know, I was I was I would do rest of season rankings for the athletic and and do some trade value charting. And what really came out of it is all the guys you mentioned that you threw out. Like the value of the true difference makers is. It was hard for me to unbelievable Christian McCaffrey because it's like you could almost just say, give me whatever five guys on your team you want for McCaffrey, and I'll just take four (laughs) other guys in McCaffrey and. And I've I've seen it play out in leagues where I have McCaffrey. It's like I'm just not losing. It's yeah. Like a week in a week out consistency. But there's not a lot of those guys anymore. It's Tyree Kill. It's it's Christian McCaffrey. It's it's Allen and Hurts. It used to be Kelsey. It's not so much Kelsey this, you know anymore. But it was Justin Jefferson. You know for a little while until. But that it was a very small group of people. And what what it's kind of done is said, hey, just empty the. Empty the bank on whatever it takes to get those guys because there is such a big field of just like replacement level players out there now that you can get by with those guys as long as you have that week in and week out consistency king.
0: That's the exact point, Brandon. Like in an auction league, first of all, you should all be playing auction leagues. But in an auction league, there's almost no cap on Tyreek and McCaffrey and uh, in the real, real difference makers. Because there's only really in my in my reptilian brain, uh, only really two ways to be highly competitive in fantasy football. And that is to get first round value from a late round pick or to get first round value from a first round pick. Like you, you got to get one of those two things because if right, your first yeah. round pick like flails, you're probably screwed. And if you, you know, get a uh, first round value out of a 10th round pick, it probably didn't matter what you do in the first round. You're going
1: to be competitive either way. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that we, you know, that's the whole theory behind the zero RB is that there's just so many, there's so many players that pop up throughout the year that went undrafted that can get you there. So if you could somehow, put those two together. You're going to be unstoppable. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. like if you can, if you can nail your first round pick and then be active early in the season and catch a Kyron Williams or someone like that, uh, you know, that's just the ticket.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think, uh, in my memory based on part of its injuries, part of it is just more variety around the league, uh, you know, talent, et cetera. I don't think a stars and scrubs approach has ever been more appropriate for an auction strategy Doesn't than right rare. now.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I was actually just gonna say that a second ago. It's like it's a it's a perfect stars and scrubs environment. So I'm with
0: cool. you. Cool. All right. Well, before we get into our picks, anything else that you're taking out of this fantasy season to get people ready for the next season, or should they just read you in June and July because you haven't done all your formulations quite yet?
1: Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of. I haven't done all my formulations, but I think we touched on the main on the main points. You know, it's it, the the league is just washing out, as you say. There's a lot more job shares going on, and it's you know it's a lot more taking of a village on offense than it used to be you know
0: yep all right well i thought you'd want to delay the inevitable a little longer before we get to the picks and i I kick your butt again but if you don't want to filibuster we'll give caesar a little bit of love and then come right back with hardhead heater cred
2: within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See Caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem, Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harrah's, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call one 800 327
0: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, Brandon, we are back. And because I am up in our contest right now, I have to go ahead and claim honors, which is actually kind of a disadvantage because you get to react to what I do before you have to put your own out into the ether. And so I am going to start with my heart pick, and I cannot believe I am doing this. Uh, I am going to gamble on this Thursday night game, which is a stay away in almost Every possible meaning of the word, but because it is on, because it is football, because uh, we are a network that is for the people, we have to go ahead and put something down. And I'm going to do it on something named Easton Stick at over half a passing touchdown plus over half an INT. This parlay gets you plus 165. And Easton Stick sounds like something I would have put on my Christmas list when I was five and just getting into baseball. But accordingly, he's going to be an NFL quarterback on this Thursday night. And he wasn't horrible. I got to say, he wasn't horrible in his substitute appearance against the Broncos. I think he went for like 178, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, 13 of 24, was pushing the ball down the field. And in this bet, this particular bet, a quarterback to do something good and something bad, a passing TD and an interception, you want them to take risks. You want them pushing the ball down the field. You want them opening up the playbook. You want them trying to hit that home run because it's going to result in one of these two things and you only need it to happen twice. And then you added in Brandon Staley, dead man walking, who loves to take these risks, who really has nothing to lose because his fate is already sealed. And I think we can see a wild performance out of the Chargers offense with everything possible. And I'm just betting on both a good and outcome, hap- uh, bad outcome happening in the same game for a super inexperienced quarterback who is out of North Dakota State, hasn't played very much, uh, in the five years he's been in the league, and plus one sixty five seems like easy money for something like this.
1: Uh, as a Seahawks fan, I feel like I've seen Easton stick like most preseasons. And he comes in and he and he does really well against the Seahawks. Annoyingly, uh, you know. But did you see oh, over under on this game? It's thirty four.
0: Thirty four. <laughs> oh my
1: god. It's so, and I was tempted to take the under. You know, like that was uh, something in my mind. But yeah, both of these teams are. You know, making vacation plans for early, you know, for January at this point, and so maybe you'll get a, you know, you'll get a touchdown in in, in a maybe sort of like pro ball kind of defensive effort on both sides. They sort of dial it in. Um, I don't. Yeah. Hate, it's they the might actually. The interceptions always the. You know, I feel like there's a touchdown pass from Stick. The interception is the one where I'm, I'm hesitant as to as far as that being able to cash. So we'll we'll see on that.
0: Well, that's fair, but if they're out there playing in bucket hats, then you're going to know that the fix is in.
1: <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, you want me to want me to jump in on with mine here? Yes, uh, please. I'm dying to hear it. I, I'm down with you uh, on the Eastern stick touchdown pass. Let's hope it's Keenan Allen. Cause I'm going to actually go with my heart being uh, the Devonte Adams and Keenan Allen, both getting 50 plus receiving yards. The two alphas. Um, and this is not, it's a good wide receiver matchup. It's a horrible quarterback matchup. Yeah. But the thing I like here is that Devontae Adams has been with Aiden O'Connell for seven seven of his starts. He's been over this number in six of them. Both of these guys, their straight-up prop is in the mid to upper 60s. Keenan Allen uh, has been over this number nine straight. Now, that's Justin Herbert, sure. But we also saw Easton Stick come in for, what, two quarters plus two minutes right before the end of the half? Targeted Allen nine times six yep. catches over 60 yards. So um, I don't think it's complete. Like, I don't think it's going to be a nothing burger in the passing game uh, on either side. I don't think it's going to be going to be great. But I think both of these guys who are the, you know, the the high volume alphas are going to at least get targeted. And I think they have a good chance to both get over 50 yards.
0: Love this one. I love it. I love one of your other ones more. So I'm not going to tail this one, but uh, I've got some Keenan Allen coming later. And I, I couldn't agree more with your analysis there. Uh, So moving over to head where we focus entirely on analysis and here's my analysis, uh, Brandon, here's the the deep dive that I did on on mine. 258.5 is a frick ton of points in an NBA game to set a line at. And I think it is the highest line in recorded NBA history. I don't think anybody is like a database that shows anything over 258.5, but that is the line in bucks under tonight. Uh, I'm sorry, Bucks uh, and Bucks Pacers tonight, and I am taking the under. Like it's it's too much. The Bucks have gone under this total despite putting up like 130, 140 points regularly in games. They still got under 258.5, 19 out of 23 games, including critically. Two versus the Pacers. Like I know this is a reaction to the Pacers. I was begging Pacers overs when they were setting the lines in the two thirties, two forties. I was doing it here on this show, but they've now uh, adjusted way too high. And I don't know if they were like forced to or what. But this game, I think, opened at two fifty nine point five and has actually been bet down a little bit. Sanity is is coming in. The Bucks, in general, Brandon, uh, you're a basketball guy. They they take a little time to get through their offense, right? Like they got to run Lillard off of screens. Giannis has to create a little bit of chaos as he gets down to the hoop. They're not like playing at the pacer's pace where they're gonna try to get a shot up in seven seconds. And as a result, it just takes a little bit of time. And so, like, I can see this being 120, 125. I can see this being like 130, one um 126, like none of those scores you'd be like, oh, like, oh, that was that was a crap game. It's like, no, this is the expected outcome. And it's still under 258.5. So just because they set the line that high, and because I haven't seen the Bucks Pacers do it yet, I am betting on a third under out of them at a line that's going to be set in the stratosphere, like this one.
1: Tail, I'm with you. I like I saw this and I was I had to go and actually double check your numbers to make sure it really was set at 258. Um I was shocked. I mean it's like you said they've played already twice and they haven't really pushed this number. I think they might have hit a 250 in their two games, the other yeah. one was considerably lower. I mean, you look at their season average, I think it's 118 to 113 or something like that. Neither one is great defensively. In fact, the Pacers are kind of terrible because we, as you mentioned, they play they play a very fast pace, but um you know, you take their just their season average combined. Mind is well below this i think it's like 20 points below it so um it kind of makes you. i always worry when i just feel like it's like what is what are they thinking but it's like um you know there's reasoning in vegas for why they're doing this i just am like uh, i can't get there it takes kind of everybody just being on you know it takes like dame and and Giannis and and halliburton just kind of you know halliburton just five for seven from three and dame nailing it and it's like you kind of have to have a really good everybody's on kind of night for to be the over here.
0: Yeah, and Halliburton was taunting Dame at the end of that uh, semifinal game with the, you know, doing the Dame time thing. And I I think Dame is going to, you know, try to go after it. And if Dame tries to go after it, there's two potential outcomes. One, slower possessions, because he's not just going to dribble up and pull from the logo with Giannis on the floor. So we're going to talk about them having to run through some different actions to create a good look for him. Or two, he is going to pull from the logo and he's going to go like nine for 32 today. The Bucs are going to put up 106 points because Dame's going to drag them down and then you have no shot at this over so i think like the third scenario where he's jacking and never misses is like not the dame that we've been watching this season nor the way the bucks want to play and that's what's going to be required to hit this number so i feel great about
2: it yeah
1: uh i i, I was well so i i, I tailed you on a monday i won it worked out for me i liked it. yep i think i'm gonna double down on that one so uh, i'm gonna go with Victor uh, uh, over 11 and a half rebounds at minus 120 against the Lakers. Here's the deal. Uh, I don't know if everybody knows this or not, but that the Spurs have made a lineup change where they're actually running Weminyama at center now. And Zach Collins is the odd man out here. But what, what has that resulted in in his two games at center? Uh, a 20 rebound game and an 18 yep. rebound game. So he has two yep. starts at center, averaging 19 rebounds and going against the Lakers, who Give up the 12th most rebounds in the league at the center position. They've allowed the 10th most rebounds. So nothing, nothing to really worry about there. You always worry about with Wemby, like, you know, are they going to pull them early if the game's not close, things like that, but it is at home. I think they have a better chance of keeping things tight and uh, not having to worry about like a fourth quarter sit down or anything like that.
0: Easy tail, easy tail. This is the one that I I saw that I was so excited to see because I was looking at it myself. Um, not only do they have the lineup change that you talked about, not only does he have the two monster rebound games, AD I think is going to be on either not playing tonight or on a minutes restriction. Yeah, and, the, and, the, and AD's not out there because he's dealing with uh, some injury issues or he's limited like Wemby's Wimby, got no competition on the glass whatsoever because the Lakers don't have a backup big that is anything close to being able to push him off the glass. We're going to talk about, like, you know, I mean, I guess LeBron is going to be in line for a triple double, but I just think Wemby is going to sail past this number short of foul trouble. Or as you said, like they're down 30 points going into the fourth quarter. So I love this one. I've already bet it myself as soon as you send it over. Uh, and I might even re bet it this afternoon.
2: <laughs> there you go.
0: All right, uh on the uh on the heater side of things, we are we've already set our pattern on Monday. Uh, I am playing 0.5 two player parlays, so I just need one event to either happen or not happen and I hit this on Monday uh pretty easily with my pairing of an NBA over 0.5 and my under on a power play points in hockey and so I said why mess with success? I'm going to do it again, Brandon. So I am going with Bojan for the uh, for the Pistons over 0.5 steals and blocks combined. And I'm going to run that back with Jake uh, Gunsel under 0.5 power play points. This combined gets a super tasty plus 155. The individual units of this Bojan has one steal in each of his four games versus uh, starting for the Pistons. The Pistons have lost 20 consecutive games. There is a ton of garbage time where things get a lot more careless with the basketball, allowing him to get easy steals. And most importantly, He's probably their most uh, viable trade option right now. And of course, he's going to showcase himself to get out of Detroit because who would not be playing their hardest to achieve that outcome? On the hockey side of things, has only scored one power play goal on the entire season, Brandon, and it was last night. He has failed to hit a power play point and 24 out of 27 times this year, he has to share the power play opportunities with Malkin and Crosby on the Penguins who are obviously looking to get theirs. But overall, they are struggling mightily. They've only converted 11% of of power plays as a team. And the Canadians, despite being bottom five in the category, have still killed 73% of penalties. So you put this all together, it is a narrow chance for Gunsildi even have a power play opportunity let alone convert given their struggles and he has to be the one who gets in not uh and not crosby or malcolm unless he can get the assist and so you pair that with the bojan getting plus 155 seems like excellent value for two rare events combined
1: well, you skated by on Monday. I did look up your your guys from the Monday's picks, and Trey Murphy got his one assist. And John Tavares, I was excited to see, had two points, and then I went and not and in the looked, penalty. I looked at the score and none of them were in the penalty. So yeah, he uh, only well, had a,
0: he, he only had a minute of power play. This is why I love the power play uh Ben. He only had a minute of ice time and then plus um and plus Trey got his in the first half. So I didn't even have to like yeah, check in on the second know. half. I knew I was already good. <laughs>
1: And 20, 20 losses in a row. I didn't realize Detroit. Detroit's too talented uh, for 20 losses in a row. It's. it's got, do we have a, I haven't even looked. Is there a consensus number one pick in next year's NBA draft? Um you have any idea? Uh, I,
0: I mean, no, I've not seen. There's not like a Wendy prize in, in this yeah, one. I think, there's, I think there a, there's a lot of names that are being thrown out right now, uh, but there's not somebody who's like been earmarked as the number one pick in this draft for the last two or three years.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully for Detroit, State, it's not an answer. Bennett kind of year. So um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go back to, to Scotty Barnes. Uh, he was my guy for over two and a half steals plus blocks. He fell. He fell. I got hooked on Monday. He had two. Uh yep. went and looked at his his game log. He's only he's only had two instances where he's gone back to back games without going over this number. It happened, I think, in the second, third game of the year. And then he had a at a mid-November three game stretch. So those are the only two times he's gone back to back games without going over this number since that November three game stretch. He's gone seven and three on the over in those, in those 10 games since. And one of them, unfortunately was Monday, but I, I like the Hawks is opponent for the next two games, uh, including tonight. Um, yep, They're a little looser. Uh, there's, there's guys like Trey young and Dehante Murray that have a high usage that um, I think, Barnes is going to be able to um to get it done to to get the over here so um I'll, I'll double down on that it's fine i don't i don't you know i feel good about him almost getting there against the knicks i think he has a better chance against the hawks anyways
0: agree completely uh plus 100 i believe it is right tonight yep it's yeah so it's...
1: plus money came down a little bit after he was plus 105 on monday so
0: Yep. Well, getting that plus money and getting them against the Hawks are too straight. I am. I'm definitely afraid of this a lot more today and on Friday than I was on Monday. So I think that's a good one for you. All right. Down to down to the wire here. The money ball game we already talked about is going to be in mine for credibility. I am going to go with the Lakers Tonight on the money line. Uh, this is LeBron's first time against Wemby. I know I like Wemby to get rebounds, but unfortunately, rebounds don't go to the score sheet. They still have to score more points than the Lakers and not just beat them on the boards. And I just don't see them doing it, even whether AD plays or not, because LeBron uh, looks completely locked in and he lost last night. I do not think he's going to let this team off. Against a team that has lost seventeen in a row, like the Spurs have, it's on national television. First chance against Wemby, I think there's a you know non-zero chance that we end up seeing pictures of this game, like way down the line of uh, a torch passing, you know, like the Kobe and Jordan pictures that we see. Well, we might we're going to see them for the first time with LeBron, and I just don't. I just. I think he's going to set the tone. His leadership is excellent. And I just don't think they're going to drop this game to the Spurs. So I don't have a lot more. It's more of a field play, but I am backing LeBron. If he was going to take a a game off after the tournament, it should have been last night versus the Mavs. And he still went for 39 and eight and AD had over 30. Like they look like they are trying to send a message to the league. And I'm pairing this With the Pelicans on the money line tonight, you put that together, Lakers-Pelicans, it's plus 134, and this one's really simple, Brandon. You're a Northeast guy, but I am a D.C. guy. And the Wizards uh, had a press conference just this morning announcing that they planned on leaving D.C. and building a new arena in Virginia. And so I think we have a real chance to head into a bit of a like minor Oakland A scenario here. It's not the same as moving to Vegas, but it is somebody like leaving one state, or not a state, the district, and moving out of it. But they have four years until that happens, and they are arguably like the worst team in basketball during that period. So I think it's going to be an outright hostile environment going forward, or it's going to be empty. And I don't see them winning a lot of games with their, their current talent structure. And I certainly don't see them doing it without any fan support on the very day where some of those fans are going to be particularly vocal and angry about the announcement. So forget the Pelicans. I don't even have much to say about them. I think they're a, a league average team and I would take everybody, but maybe the Pistons in the spot against the wizards tonight. So getting a, a an average team versus the wizards combining it with the Lakers and LeBron getting plus plus one thirty-four is where I'm going to put two units.
1: Yeah. I thought about this one. I it's, you're going against two home teams though. So I know, I know they're not good ones. Uh, the Spurs one, I, I feel like you're absolutely spot on with the Lakers. I don't know. It's it's a weird one with with Washington. I was the one I had, had since I can see Washington just, you know, Jordan Poole or Kyle Kuzma could catch a heater, and the, the Pelicans aren't so good that they can't just drop this one. I didn't realize we had the Oakland A situation going on uh, there in Washington, though. What is that? How, how far of a move is that for them from D.C. to Virginia? It can't be too far.
0: No, it's not far. So the the thing is, is they're they want to move from downtown D.C. because where their current arena is, Brandon. Again, I'm a local, so like I'm I'm way more tagged into this than I normally would be. Is right in the middle of all six metro lines, so they have all six metro lines. So like Maryland fans can get there easy, Virginia fans can get there easy. I live in Virginia, and it's gonna be harder for me to get to the games in Virginia than it is to get in D.C. because of metro access. Wow. Um, and then the area around the arena has kind of, you know, been in decline and it's going to be a huge like problem for the DC local government. If, if they actually go through with this and move out to Virginia. So it's not far for a move, but there's also like a weird element here in where I live like Maryland, DC and Virginia are kind of like lumped together um, in terms of like a sports town or a sports area as they well should be, but it ends up with three jurisdictions constantly like fighting over the local teams and local resources. Like the the Wizards slash Bullets, they played in Maryland until 97 and then they moved to DC and now they're moving to Virginia because all three of these jurisdictions are always kind of jockeying for the teams. And if this actually does go through and it was announced this morning, there was a press conference down over in Alexandria, Expect DC to pull out all stops to get the Redskins back in DC because they can't have, you know, they can't have the Wizards and the Capitals moving and then lose out on the Redskins as well. I'm sorry. The commanders as well. I'm from the area. I'm old school. I still yeah, no, old, old a hard die hard.
1: Well, uh, they so, old habits hard. They're going to, they're going to change the name to the Squires let go, <laughs> no. go.
0: my god holy <laughs> hell well if you were not a dinosaur before i think you just re- entered like whatever was before the prehistoric you area if you're bringing the, up the, the virginia squire yeah julius ervin proud virginia <laughs> squire i'm sure it's what he's most known for
1: exactly all right uh let me let me uh throw out my pick it's desmond bain going under 25 and a half points versus houston i love desmond bain uh i think he's a fantastic player but what's fantastic is houston's defense this year i mean emia doka has been such a culture change on the defensive side of the ball Look looking up they gave up 118.6 points per game last year they're giving up 105.6 points per game this year 13 point swing uh they're 11 and 9 right now i I looked uh, at the rockets they were 11 and 35 when they went 11 and 35 in their first 46 games they've already got to 11 wins in 20 games this this year so uh Crazy turnaround in terms of defense. They um, played Memphis already. Desmond Bain had 23 points in that game on a season-low 12 shots. Um, the Memphis scored 91 points. That was the second-lowest total of the year. So the, the Rockets defense is no joke. Uh, this is actually the 25-and-a-half is above Bain's season average of 24.8. So, I, look, I don't see this as an above-average matchup for him. I see it as a below-average matchup. I'm going to go below what his season averages to this point. And, you know, I, I think we could see something similar to what we saw last time it was like low twenties. And he had to get there on nine out of 10 free throw shooting. So if he doesn't get to the line as much, he may not even get as close as he did last time.
0: Yeah. I got to say, Brandon, like, uh I don't I don't want to enter like the prehistoric era with you, but the idea that Desmond Bain is averaging almost 25 points in this league just shows like the watered down effect of points per game scoring averages historically. <laughs> that guy, in what world is he at 25 points a game scorer? So with the three pointer and the pace and all that, like I just I, I'm shocked. When you set this over, I had to look like how far that was off his season average, same thing that you just threw out. I didn't even know he was averaging 25. He doesn't even strike me as like that explosive of a score that you would expect him to put up 26 against a decent team like the Rockets.
1: Well, I have to, as a, somebody who is uh, waiting uh, with bated breath for the Seattle Sonics to return, I have to tamp down the narrative that it's a watered down league. Um, so we can't, I can't go there with you. I understand what you're saying, but I, we got to get the Sonics back in Seattle first.
0: Well, it's almost the opposite. It's almost like there's too much talent for the current rules. And so it's just like, if you're going to you go. I, I get
1: behind that, yeah,
0: you got this level of talent and allow, you know, the lack of hand checking and the three point line to be where it is, then I guess everybody's going to score 25 and plays 30 minutes a game. But I guess Desmond Bain is the poster boy for it. Uh, I, I I'm with you on the under, I would not have failed this one, even if I had the fail available to me um, for all the same reasons you said. So a lot of love on this episode, Brandon, a lot of us liking each other's picks. Can you do worse on Friday? Can you please give something <laughs> I, I can make fun of? Can you call please? Brad and I my advice. Monday
1: picks. Believe me, I can probably do worse, but yeah. That's true. I did like your Monday <laughs> picks.
0: But I say you call Brad ahead of Friday, say what he likes the most, and then I'm fade whatever that yeah, is.
1: There you
0: go. Exactly. Uh, all right. Let's go ahead and take our second break, come back with our second Guest Express, and head out into our days. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jet's Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. All right, we are back and Brandon, while I had honors for the regular uh selection of games. Now that we're into the bench, now we're into the one that we're not giving out, which by the way was a pure lock for both of us on Monday. It was not even close. Uh actually no, you didn't hit, right? You had the triple double.
1: I I just had the nose. He, he went 9-8, he went 9-8 assists, so he missed on two of them, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, mine mine crushed. I should have put the nuggets <laughs> in my picks. I knew I should have done it. Uh so which one are you going with tonight?
1: Yeah, I thought about Hunter Renfro at 26 and a half. He's, you know, he's been over in four of the last five games. And you look at you look at the Raiders, they're down um, a bunch of injuries. Josh Jacobs and uh, a couple offensive linemen are really hurt. I could just see in a game like this some quick hitters to Hunter Renfro. Um, He's getting, you know, he's getting kind of five around Four to five targets a game he just needs to catch like three of them. And I think he's over this number. So I think the way the game's set up with a lot of like if it's going to be a lot of running, it's going to be a low scoring game. But when they do throw, it's probably going to be kind of like controlled passes to guys like Hunter Renfro in the short area. So um, I thought about that. Didn't quite make my list, but at 26 and a half, I think he's a good chance for the over there.
0: Yeah, I love low totals in a game like this where who the freak knows? Like, we're not dealing with something that we have a lot of precedent on, right? Like, we're kind of right. ruling de novo here. We've never seen these two quarterbacks uh, take the field together at the same time. And we've never, I, I guess not yeah, never. We rarely like,
1: have seen a 34 point over under either. So exactly. Yeah. Like
0: I, it's funny. You said earlier, you were tempted by the under, I was tempted by the over. It's kind of like just the same thing we saw last Thursday night, like two crap quarterbacks playing on a short week. It's just like, okay, let's just see what happens here. And also you well, got that, that took third, a while to really was. start
1: to go. And the first half looked a little shaky on that one. Uh, you know, cause I, that was the one I followed you on and I, I was, I was team over as well. So, and then things just started to snowball in the second half. So it, it yeah, out, but, uh, yeah,
0: Fair enough, uh, but I, because of some of this, because of all the stats you threw out early on Keenan Allen, like I'm, I'm in on Keenan Allen tonight on over five and a half receptions. It's minus 137, which is why I didn't make my list. Like I like the plus plays that I gave out more than the odds available to me here. But Keenan, I mean, you gave out great stats. He has 108 catches on the year. He's cleared 5.5 in 10 out of 13 games, most of the times easily. I mean, he even has an 18 catch game this year because the entire freaking offense seems to run through him. And when the entire offense runs through like one receiver, it doesn't matter which quarterback is in there in terms of like the number of opportunities you're, they're going to have. As you pointed out, when uh, when uh, Easton came in last time, he had a, immediately locked into Allen, got six receptions to him in just over a half. And so the idea that he's suddenly going to move away from that on a short week as the starter with all four quarters available to him and target him less just doesn't make sense to me. I think he's going to get tunnel vision. I think he's going to throw to his side of the field 12, 13 times. And if he does that, as long as he's not like literally the worst quarterback of the world, he can complete half of them and get over this number.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I don't put much stock in history. Weirdly, Allen has fared poorly against the Raiders. His only game that he's gone under the 50 yards that I did on my first pick was against the Raiders earlier this year and I think he was under in both games last year but different quarterback and I just you know different circumstances in, in last week's game Allen was had didn't catch any of the three targets that Herbert threw to him in almost an entire half and then yeah the stick comes in and it's like six six of nine boom you know just like you said tunnel vision so I expect I expect some carryover from that for sure
0: Yep. All right. Well, another one we agree on. Come on, man. On Friday, I'm, I don't care. Okay. I don't care how good your picks are on Friday. I'm going to, I'm going to pick a fight Friday. I'm just going to go to the other side <laughs> just for fun. <laughs> I like it. that. Pick a
1: fight. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fail you on one of them. I
0: promise. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so you are on live on the line, right? On Friday, right after right. that we That's tape, right, you yeah. got to be pretty excited about that.
1: Oh yeah. I got, I got some work. This is, like I said, this is just good prep this is good prep for Friday. Get me going, get me thinking in the right way. Uh, I expect to have one of my best live on the live performances on Friday.
0: Yeah. So you went to, we keep making fun of Brad, but Brad is such a dear friend to both of ours. So you'll be on with him on Friday, uh, wherever you can get that show. And for us, we have our usual slate here. I, we had, I was listening to Lemon Pepper Parlay right before um, we tuned in or started recording. Just go, even if you don't listen to it every week, go and listen to the first 20 minutes as they really break down that Chiefs debacle because they had a great argument about whether that offside affected that play or not and whether it should have been called. So I know that that's been talked about a lot, but I like their breakdown best of anything I have heard. Uh, we'll have Jen and Eddie doing waiver wire, so a little more fancy talk for those of you who enjoyed the top of the show. And then we have Covered in Glory coming tomorrow from if you want to hear us fade United a little bit more, as well as the 15-minute pregame show coming out on Friday, 4 o'clock, all over social, YouTube, Twitter, everywhere else. Still the best thing we do each and every week with Damashek and Hench. So on Friday, uh, Brandon, actually, you know, we'll be taping Thursday night, so this will be out early on Friday, and we will see how this competition bears out. I know you're a little intimidating falling behind early, but I like your picks a lot today, and I, I think if I stub my toe a little bit, that you're going to catch me.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll try to make things close. We'll make things interesting for the for the listeners.
0: All right. Well, that would be a first. So let's go ahead and do something <laughs> different on Friday. Until then, try to enjoy the Thursday night game. That's why they invented gambling. Put a little bit of action down. And you'll find all sorts of ways to be tuning into this matchup. Um, plus lots of NBA action, some good Champions League today. So great sports, as always. Go out and enjoy them. We will see you on Friday. Take care, everyone.